Welcome to this week's Wireless Noodle. I've spoken a lot about IoT in the last couple of episodes, so I'm going to give that a rest for a little while. Although I do want to flag up an interesting blog post I wrote just recently about a connectivity platforms for IoT report that I wrote. So I recommend taking a look at that. I'll put a link on the Wireless Noodle site. But no, this week, I want to delve into some work I've been doing at Transform Insights on real-world AI deployments. And before that, I want to talk a little bit about the vendor market, specifically the service provider market, and the importance of specialization and the replicability of solutions. My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. One of the main things we do at Transformer Insights is to look at the vendor landscape. For instance, who's good at delivering particular products and services to customers? Almost always enterprise customers. In some cases, we're assessing the capabilities of a set of products, as was the case with our recent reports on communication service providers or application enablement platforms in IoT. We're only a minute in and I've already broken my promise about not talking about IoT this episode. But nevertheless, a fleeting mention. In other cases, though, we're looking at the companies that provide professional services and systems integration. The likes of IBM, Accenture, T-Systems, Tech Mahindra, and many, many more. The interesting thing about these types of companies is that they cut across most of the technology areas that we cover. So we cover more or less anything that's understood to be a disruptive technology. So it's blockchain and it's AI and it's IoT, which again, I've mentioned. Across all of these technologies, these various companies do something. For these professional services companies, it's generally not about selling products, but about selling consulting hours, which is, for today's podcast, what I'm particularly interested in. In particular, in unpicking the market landscape. Who's best at doing what? With products, it's comparatively easy. But with these types of services companies, it's harder to pin down who's good at what. This is not least because they all more or less can do anything. You throw enough developers at any given problem, you can solve it. The problem with that is it's not very replicable. It's not very efficient. So actually, most companies who are buying from these companies should be looking at those who have rather than necessarily those who can, because everybody can. What you're looking for is the cheapest solution, the one who's capable of doing it and has done it many, many times before. Now, obviously, some of these companies have particular technical capabilities which differentiate. T-Systems is good at networking, for instance. IBM's hot on AI. So almost by definition, there's some differentiation in terms of who can do what, who can perform what function. And therefore, you might veer towards particular companies with particular skill sets. What's perhaps more interesting, though, is the extent they should be better or worse at addressing particular verticals. The key thing, and this is a subject to some research that we're working on at the moment, is that there should be some variation there. There should be efficiency savings from taking one solution delivered for one company and doing more or less the same thing for somebody else in the same vertical. That efficiency saving 
of only having to customise, say, 50% of a project is huge. That means that whichever company establishes early dominance should be able to continue to build on it until it's unassailably more efficient at developing, say, AI solutions for retail. That all assumes, of course, that they're good at replicating solutions. Some are, some aren't in my experience. Those that aren't seem to have the mistaken belief that it's better for a project to take longer and be more expensive because that's more billable hours and more revenue. Pretty short-sighted. So, technology companies should become increasingly vertically specialised the more that they win projects. But can a company do something to shortcut that? The answer is yes, of course. They can buy into a particular vertical by maybe accepting less revenue on a few projects until that capability is established. Or they could even acquire the relevant capabilities. What's more important to the success of any given services company is that it recognises that replicating solutions from one client to another is essential and implements a robust system for doing that. This is a rich theme of research. Understanding this service provider landscape, particularly as they cut across so many of the technology areas that we look at at Transformer Insights. We will be publishing more reports on this in the near future. Now to change topic quite radically, I want to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and specifically about real-world deployments of AI. During 2020, Transformer Insights has analysed hundreds of examples of digital transformation implementations. Many of the most cutting edge relate to the use of artificial intelligence, a subject that continues to attract a huge amount of interest from enterprises. There's a lot of talk about the abstract concept of artificial intelligence, but what really matters to businesses is how it can be used in real life. For instance, to streamline business processes or open up new revenue opportunities. In this section, I want to look at some of the key learnings from the Transformer Insights analysis of real-world deployments, including looking at the motivations for, best practice in, and experience of deploying AI in the real world. And when I say in the real world, I should explain what we've done. Our analysts have looked at hundreds of real deployments of AI and analysed what's been done, when it's been done, how it's been done, to build up a view of what the landscape looks like for practical applications and real-world deployments of AI. And then we can compare and contrast and look at trends that come through across all of the various deployments. Really interesting stuff. The first finding is that AI deployments are typically limited to being deployed in relatively mundane applications, but are usually strongly embraced where they are used. The top use cases are for customer behavior analysis, smart customer support, and personalized marketing. This is quite a long way away from HAL in 2001. This is fairly mundane stuff. And other widely used applications include recommendation engines, chatbots, and repetitive process automation. All of these can be considered to be relatively simple uses for AI. Of the top applications, only really risk analysis and workflow optimization could be considered to be really sophisticated. This implies that AI is focusing on relatively low-hanging fruit, an idea that's further supported by looking at the level of risk that we at Transform Insights perceive from the deployment. We rate only 11% of deployments as having a high level of operational risk. 
around half have low risk or actually being deployed as a way of de-risking operations, i.e. not only do they not themselves present a risk, but they reduce other operational risks to the organisation. We get a similar picture when we examine what aspects of the business are affected by the use of AI. Over 85% of implementations have a significant impact on internal process efficiency. Around half have that degree of impact on the company's value proposition, i.e. what they sell externally, and less than 20% can be thought of as having a truly disruptive impact on the industry in which they're deployed. AI is being fantastically impactful on internal processes, but much less so on other aspects of the business. The focus on internal cost savings is understandable. After all, any dollar saved comes straight off the bottom line. So it's inevitably going to be the first focus of any new technology. In contrast with this relatively low degree of sophistication of the use case, the level of autonomy is actually quite impressive. Almost one third of deployments are used in order to fully automate a decision-making process, i.e. to remove a human element from a business process. This implies that where it's being adopted, AI is being used in quite an aggressive way, fundamentally transforming the process into which it's being adopted. Where adopted, AI is not just an add-on, but is fundamentally changing or replacing the legacy process. AI is also demonstrating a relatively quick time to deploy and pay back. Over 70% of projects take less than a year to deploy and almost 75% pay back within two years. It's perhaps inevitable though, that when enterprises shift to more transformational uses of AI, that that deployment and payback time will be longer. Nevertheless, the short timeframes bode well for future use. Another positive indicator of future widespread adoption is the degree to which deployments are based on productized solutions. Over 70% of AI implementations are based on a fully productized solution, i.e. you can more or less buy it off the shelf. And that compares to less than 10% which are one-offs. Replicability, it's harking back to what I was talking about in the first section in the podcast, is going to be a key factor for the widespread use of AI. At Transform Insights, we expect the requirement for customization to increase substantially the more sophisticated the use case. Nevertheless, it's starting from a very high baseline of productization and therefore replicability. AI as it's deployed today is also surprisingly lacking in complexity in terms of key deployment parameters. We look at three areas of complexity. Functional, i.e. how complex the project is. Stakeholder, i.e. the number of internal and external stakeholders in a project. And geographical scale, i.e. how many countries it's deployed in. Perhaps unsurprisingly, AI projects are amongst the most functionally complex that we look at. There's little doubting that AI in all its incarnations, no matter how mundane, is cutting edge stuff. However, stakeholder and geographical complexity rates are relatively low. Some of the barriers to deploying other technologies often don't manifest themselves with regard to rolling out AI, at least not for current deployments. The message from examining real-world AI deployments is fairly clear. Today, we've barely scratched the surface of the possible enterprise applications. The early adoption is understandably happening in those use cases that represent quick wins for the enterprises deploying them. As such, it's no difference from the adoption of more or less any other new technology you choose to name. Quick wins tend to involve internal efficiency savings as they have the most immediate impact on the organisation. They also tend to be the easiest projects to implement 
because of the lack of internal barriers. Saving money tends not to need a lot of approvals or necessitate a fundamental transformation in how the company runs. Once you move out of cutting costs and into changing products, the number of interested stakeholders tends to grow exponentially. At that point, the complexity level rises and the time to deploy gets longer. As is the case with the adoption of almost all new technologies, it's the internal process, business model, system and culture change that are the real challenge. I talked about this in a previous podcast. I'll put a link to that episode on the Wireless Noodle website. AI is poised to move into this space. And anyone serious about adopting it will need to look very carefully first whether it's made the necessary internal process changes to do so. Finally today, just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave me a review wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Next week, I'm going to be talking about a topic which is high on my agenda and very interesting, in fact, high on the agenda of a lot of technology companies at the moment, and that's mobile private networks, particularly relevant in the context of 5G. I should also, by then, have completed a report about how it's better to buy specialist capabilities than it is to build your own. And I will aim to share something about that research as well. I hope you can join me. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton and you can check out transformerinsights.com, that's transformer with an A, 